0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Her Journey podcast, where we talk with incredible, talented and powerful women about their experiences. My name is Aline and I'm your host. And today I'm joined with Haley, the co-president of Step Above Stigma, a podcast host, blogger and author. So can you go ahead and just tell us a little bit more about yourself?
1: Absolutely, well, thank you so much for having me on. I love having conversations with awesome individuals like yourself, but yeah, I'll just kind of dive right into it. I am currently in my fourth year of commerce at queen's University. I am twenty one years old um I've always had a dream to become an entrepreneur. Uh, being my own little girl boss was definitely the vision I had for myself since I was in grade two so I've stumbled upon like incredible opportunities throughout university and just learning throughout my business degree. But um, yeah, I am the current co-president of Step Up Sigma, which is a Queens University like, University affiliated nonprofit. Um, and basically, what we do is we um, we raise money through our sock sales and. We allocate those funds to other mental health organizations, as well as we create awesome events and initiatives to spread awareness. Um, I'm also an author of a book called See Me, Becoming Your Authentic Self. I published that in my third year of university, and I just love, love, love writing. So that was an incredible experience. Uh, I just wanted to help other people um, reach their highest, most authentic self with that book. And then after that... I decided to launch a podcast to complement that because there's some people who just don't like reading. So I was like, how can I kind of reach out to those kind of people as well? And podcasting kind of landed in my lap. Um, it was also a reason because I'm a, I'm someone who's afraid of like talking and getting on shows. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, podcasting is great practice for this. So that's kind of where I'm at now. And, um, I hope to, after university, I'm doing this startup program where for four months, um, I have, it's like an internship. So they basically take us through starting up a business with other team members. I'm just really excited to see where that goes, because I want to kind of build on the mental health awareness kind of aspect with that. So hopefully I can start Mm -hmm. a business in that field.
0: Yeah, sounds incredible. Um, Well, yeah, you kind of talked a little bit about Step Above Stigma, but let's kind of um, talk a little bit more about that. And so could you kind of Tell us a little bit more about sort of the projects that you do and the events that you host and things like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I might just like go back a little bit and explain like how I got involved. So in second mm-hmm. year, after first year, first year was a little bit of a wild ride. Uh, my mental health wasn't in a great state. I didn't really have any sort of extracurriculars on my plate. I found with the business program, I didn't really gravitate towards Um, their kind of clubs like marketing, consulting, that kind of stuff. I was really looking Mm -hmm. for a club that focused on social impact, and I wasn't sure which kind of activism focus I was going to focus on, but Step Up Sigma... I came across their Instagram page, I think at the end of first year, I was like, I need to get involved with this organization, because I can relate to so much to what they're promoting. And I'd love to continue growing and amplifying that uh, platform. And so I started Mm -hmm. off um, as the VP of marketing. And so what I did was I did a lot of social media promotion, growing the platform, um, coming up with really cool promotional campaigns. Um, And and then my final year, I had the opportunity to become the co-president. So I currently oversee 35 executive members with my other two mm-hmm. co-presidents and then also over 100 volunteers. So it is a really big and growing um, organization on campus. And we're fortunate to be expanding across Canada right now. Um, so some, mm-hmm. kind of, some of the things that we do, um, we do a lot of like very symbolic events. So um for two years we weren't able to do it last year because of the pandemic but we do a car smash so uh, we get a car donated to us and we put it on the corner of the main street on our campus and we write words that are very much like stigmatizing around mental health and then people can donate to hit the car with a bat so it's kind of like a way to smash the stigma around mental health that's like one of our bigger Mm -hmm. events because you know who doesn't want to hit a car with a bat like (laughs) Like, I was like, yes, I'm so ready to hit this car with a bat. But the fact is, like, you're smashing down those words. You're bringing upon that awareness. It was such an incredible event. Uh, But Mm -hmm. this year, it's been a little bit more tricky with the pandemic. Um, We have been able to have a a kind of in-person event, but only a few of us were able to go. Um, There's this individual from the Kingston area who messaged us, said he was super passionate about mental health and that he's a very elite athlete. And so what he did was he did a world record to raise money for Black Health Alliance, um, which was incredible mm-hmm. because um, he, he, he did two back-to-back marathons and I think 1,500 pull-ups within 20 hours. And he, wow. yeah, it was insane. So he, he ended up raising, I think it was like over $2,000, I believe, I can't recall the number, but it was a really, really great amount. And it's just those kinds of events that we host, like we're very open to new ideas and kind of expanding the kind of things we do. And um, we just really, really focus on getting the conversation going out there and advocating and raising money for other organizations. Um, we're hoping to kind of um, get more involved a little bit with policy in the upcoming years. It's really hard to get more access to resources on campus. or. So Hopefully, partnering with other clubs on campus to kind of like advocate for more resources. So, that's kind of the gist of what we do. Um, for those who are interested in Above Stigma, who are at Queen's, we are trying to expand across Canada right now. And it's a little bit challenging, obviously. But if you visit stepbostigma.com and you are interested in starting a chapter on your campus, that's where you can go to.
0: Wow, awesome. Um. yeah that sounds really interesting I, I love that car idea yeah it's so um, fun <laughs> <laughs> Um. and yeah I think you kind of mentioned your initiative of uh, also kind of selling socks and then donating that money to charity so can you tell me a little bit about that as well and like why specifically you're
1: selling socks yeah absolutely so the founder Umpai Thamachak, she founded the organization I believe it was 2015. Mm-hmm. So in her first year of university, I think she had noticed that there wasn't any um, kind of like mental health clubs on campus. And she wanted to do something mm-hmm. about that. She is like a person who has already started three organizations and she's like 22 years old. She's pretty insane, but <laughs> uh, she, she's one of those people that kind of, she just thinks of an idea and she just goes for it and she's really, really, really creative. And so I think she was one day just sitting in her residence and she came up with the idea that, you know, stepping above stigma would be really cool as an organization name. But she was like, how can we go about this in a way that's really creative and we can raise money? And she says, why don't we put that on socks? Because obviously you're stepping with your feet and if you put stuff above stigma on the socks, Mm -hmm. like it would make sense. It'd be kind of um, a cool idea. And so from that, she started selling um, socks that specifically had colors with our university like tricolor and then she kind of expanded it to like St. Patrick's Day colors and then we now have winter socks and then we have Black Lives Matter socks like it's really really cool and like how um, she kind of came up with this idea I did not meet mm-hmm. the organization until two years after it was created so I wish I was there for the initial kind of like startup but I just know that she she just suddenly randomly thought of this idea when she was sitting in her residence and she asked some people on her floor to get involved. And those same people are still involved, which is pretty insane. Like some people have been involved for four years. I think I've been involved for three now, which is pretty awesome. But yeah, it, it was a really random idea that kind of, it's classic, like, the greatest ideas kind of come from university dorm rooms like I don't know I've heard that so many times that other startups have come through those kind of ideas but yeah it's grown mm-hmm. crazily in the past few years like i think she started off with five people on the team then i remember my first year it was like 15 to 20 and then now we're up to 35 so we're rapidly expanding and uh getting into more complex and more really innovative ideas but yeah
0: yeah, that sounds really cool. And yeah, that's a really creative idea. I definitely would not have thought of that. But <laughs> that's really awesome. Yeah. Um, and so you kind of talked about how you're trying to expand Step Above Stigma. So can you kind of tell me um, the process through that and kind of if you're facing any challenges while um, trying to expand that organization?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we have two phenomenal Chapters Coordinators. It was kind of a newer position this year. Um, we actually started uh, Chapters Coordinators two years ago, um, but it was just really mm-hmm. hard for them to find and outreach to other universities. But fortunately, our new Chapters Coordinators this year were able to find a bunch of different universities who are interested. Um, the problem with what we're facing right now is like obviously – the fact that it's like virtual and sometimes communication is a little bit more challenging as well as university Mm -hmm. policies and um, enacting clubs. Right now, we're really uh, focusing on Western University, which is really fantastic. I think their university is a lot more flexible in terms of introducing new clubs. I know that we had issues with um, getting a club started at UBC. I think it's just because they have a different process that we're not familiar with in terms of setting it up. So we're trying to figure out all those different policies while trying to train and like figure out how we're gonna establish because we're so new to it like we haven't never expanded anywhere else but queens before so I think that that's kind of like the trickiest part but they have found really incredible Mm -hmm. people who are very committed because it is really challenging to get something like this started up and especially if you're like in your final year like how are you going to pass that off to the next person like how are you going to keep it alive and going but they have found really incredible and keen people and if you're someone who is passionate about mental health and is really determined in like going full force on starting it up on your campus like this is something for you like I wish I could have been there for the initial startup and the initial like trying to figure Mm -hmm. it out because I think there's a lot of growing and kind of like learning in that period. Whereas I joined when it was already created. So it was a little bit easier in that transition, but yeah, we found really awesome people, but again, we are always looking for people who um, are passionate about mental health. are really determined. And um, I'm sure like even next year when new chapters coordinators come in for Queens, um, those people will have a lot better toolkit in terms of actually knowing how to go about it because our current chapters coordinators are like, Creating an awesome manual and how to like um, how to transition to different chapters, how to set up different chapters. Yeah. So it's been a really cool process. Um, I haven't been sitting in on as much of that aspect. I kind of focus on the marketing website, photographers, graphics, like the kind of the creative side of things, because that's where I'm familiar with. Mm -hmm. But no, it's been really cool to see expand and grow.
0: Mm-hmm, definitely. That's a really cool project. And yeah, I absolutely love everything you're doing. And especially love that you guys are expanding even more now. Um, yeah, I think that's really amazing. And uh, I know you're also doing a couple of other things like uh, being an author, writing blog blogs. So um, I'd definitely love to hear more about
1: that as well. Absolutely. So in my second year of university, I was approached by one of my close friends, Julia Sun, who recently just published as well, um, saying that Mm a random guy messaged her on LinkedIn saying, hey, do you want to write a book in less than a year? And at first she was very, very (laughs) skeptical. She was like, "Mm, are you joking? Like, is this a real thing? Turns out this this individual is a professor at Georgetown University um, in the States. And it's a legitimate thing. He started this incredible program where he takes young aspiring authors uh, through this 10-month writing journey. And it's really intensive. It's really fun. It's really cool. But anyways, I was mm-hmm. at the time, I was writing for a platform called Her Campus. I was just exploring with writing while I was focusing on my business degree. I just really like creative outlets. But when Julia approached me with this idea, mm-hmm. she was like, do you want to like do this with me? Do you want to go write books together? I was like, okay, <laughs> sure. Why not? I There's nothing to lose here because if if it doesn't work out, I'll have all this content to work with and just publish on like a blog or somewhere else. So I started off Mm -hmm. not really sure what I was going to write about. Um, I'd always gravitated toward the self-help genre. Um, At that time, I was experiencing Mm -hmm. really significant mental health struggles. I wasn't in a good place. So taking this project on was something that was really going to help me in my healing journey. Um, But when I hopped on the call Mm -hmm. with the founder of this uh, project, uh, Eric Custer, he kind of like pulled the idea out of me. He kind of asked me like the kind of genres I like, the kind of themes I gravitate towards, the kind of expertise I had. And what it came down to was authentic living. Um, something that was really mm-hmm. helping me in my healing journey was starting to be myself because for so long in my life, I was not myself. I tried to be somebody else. I tried to fit into this societal mold that is constantly being shoved in our faces. And it was obviously negatively negatively impacting my mental health and so I was like okay so Mm -hmm. I'm gonna write about authenticity but obviously I needed a clearer focus so what I decided was I was going to create a self-help or self-development book geared towards young adults that basically inspires them to live an authentic life through a bunch of guiding principles and stories of others who have mastered the art of authentic living and the reason why um, in this book particular I use storytelling rather than just giving out Mm -hmm. facts to people is because storytelling enables so much more understanding rather than just giving people, um, like you should do X, Y, Z because whatever. Um, I find that Mm -hmm. it's really, really hard to relate to those kinds of books that don't do it through the lens of somebody else or a story because it's not really relatable. You can't see it in practice. And so I came up with all these principles mm-hmm. that kind of relate to authentic living through the stories of other people because, again, storytelling is a catalyst for change. Um, it really does allow people to understand how these practices work and, like, the fact or these principles work. And the fact is, like, these principles aren't something that have to be perfect. Like, say, if it's confidence, say, if confidence is a principle or leadership is a principle, the way it works in action doesn't mean like it has to be perfect all the time and I find a lot of self-help books overlook the imperfection of human nature and so what I was trying to do was through storytelling it's a lot easier for people to see you know like leadership might not look like the conventional definition of leadership all the time there's gonna be times where we slip up where we make mistakes and fail but that's totally okay that's normal Mm -hmm. And that's what the storytelling component emphasizes. And so after publishing, I was pu- I was 19 years old when I published. Um, I got a lot of really great feedback in terms of like being relatable. Like a lot of the uh, self-help books out there are very much um, written by older people for older people. And there's not really anyone who has written a self-help book for young people with a young adult perspective. So that lack, that bias mm-hmm. that was taken away from there was really, really great and um, and yeah, that whole book changed my life, like, without that book and Seth about stigma, because I did both at the same time, I began both at the same time. Like, I would not be the person I am today. I would not have, like, figured out what I want to do without both of them. And yeah, it's been an incredible ride. I'm currently working on my second book, which is really, really exciting. I'm a little nervous with this one. It's a lot more challenging this time. I, I can't get over how much harder it is this time, mm-hmm. but yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's really impressive. And I love that topic. I feel like that's a really unique, but also important topic to kind of cover in a book. And I really love what you said about storytelling as well. I think it's really important to make sure that when you are writing a book, you find a way to really keep your readers engaged. So um, yeah, I love that. And I also wanted to get kind of more in depth about that topic. So personally to you, how would you describe
1: authentic living and what does it really mean to you well, yeah this is a huge question because there's so many different elements but um the premise mm-hmm. of my book I think this is where I'll explain the importance of authenticity is like a lot of the times we want to be successful and usually we think that we have to be successful for first in order to be happy however obviously a lot of mm-hmm. us are learning that first, we have to be happy first in order to be successful But how do we become happy then? Like, that's the biggest question. Like, how do we become happy? And my answer is being your authentic self. That's how you will experience happiness and then therefore success. Um, In my book, I touch on a lot of different topics. I think there's like 31 or 32 chapters. But when it comes down to being authentic overall, there's two really big things. Um, There's self-awareness is the biggest component um, in this case. Um, It's very, very challenging to be self-aware, particularly as a young adult we're navigating tons of knowledge being thrown at us. So we kind of like have a tendency to look to the external world to see what it's saying, how we should be and what we should do. So because of that, we tend to be inauthentic because we're kind of molding into what this societal ideal is going to be. However, we actually need to be looking inward, um, which is really hard for us to do. Um, And to become self-aware, there's two types There's internal self-awareness, and then there's external self-awareness. So internal self-awareness, what it looks like, it's about taking an inventory of who you are and what you want in your life. And we often don't ask ourselves this enough because we're too busy focusing on what the world expects us to do. So rather than going about Mm -hmm. each day being on autopilot, it's important to take a step back and actually be intentional about what we're doing. So a lot of the times, like I kind of do a lot of journaling in terms of kind of, bringing this awareness to the surface and to actually not take it out of my subconscious and put it in my consciousness. Um, so I write down like what it is I actually want. Then I ask myself in what ways am I pursuing it? Then I ask myself in what ways am I limited? And I take a step back and see if there's a discrepancy mm-hmm. between what I'm currently doing and what I want to be doing. And then I look at the ways in which I am or perceived to be limited and challenge the heck out of that because Those are often your beliefs. So in actuality, you're limited by yourself. And so then by realizing you can pursue what you want, you can make an action plan. So a lot of the times, again, like internal self-awareness is very, very challenging because, again, it does require taking that inventory of what you actually want. And usually we just ignore that because we think or we think what we want is based on what society says when we don't actually really know what we want because we haven't actually asked ourselves what it is. And then then by actually being able to do that and seeing if there's a discrepancy between what you're doing and what you actually want um, will allow you to gain that internal self-awareness. Definitely a big challenge, but definitely possible through journaling. Um, The other component of external self-awareness is actually knowing how you are showing up in this world. Like you can think all the things you want, but actions speak louder than words. So for me, it's like,
0: You know, I can think,
1: oh, yeah, I'm showing off, showing up authentically, but I can think that. But if I'm not actually showing up that way, like there's obviously a discrepancy there. So being able to know how the world sees you and how you actually fit into this world is really, really important as well, because, again, you can think all the things you want. But if you're not actually taking those steps, it's not really going to serve you in the end. Um, Yeah. So that's the first component. Taking an inventory is the first step to being authentic. But then there's this second component. It's about acknowledging your whole self. So there's this analogy. I think it came out of a book. I never read the book. It was something that my coach had kind of explained to me. But what happens is we tend to put all of our challenges, failures, mistakes, flaws, et cetera, into an invisible backpack on our backs. And we do this because we don't really want Mm -hmm. to acknowledge that that's a part of who we are, which it's totally normal to ha- and okay to have these sorts of things in-, in life, like it's inevitable. But over time, as we continue to kind of fill up our bag with all of these things, it gets really, really, really heavy. Um, and so I can kind of explain this through my university experience. Like I came into university with a lot of unresolved trauma and I put that in my own backpack and I became really physically, mentally and emotionally sick as a result um, I was keeping these separate from myself. I was not acknowledging them. But as soon as you choose to put down the backpack and embrace your whole self, you become a lot lighter and you experience a lot more freedom in your life. And you're able to act in ways that, you serve, that serve you. So kind of by acknowledging your trauma or the things that you, know, you may not enjoy about yourself, um, you can actually get the help you need and then you can actually accomplish what you actually want. And at the end of the day, it's so important to love your whole self, like love the fact that you're a kind and caring person, love the challenges you've overcome, love what you've learned from your mistakes, because your authentic self isn't just the good, it's also the flaws and maybe not the not so great parts. So yeah, and yeah, so... It's about being self-aware and also appreciating and acknowledging your whole self. That's the best way I can sum up authenticity. There's a lot more to it, but those two things are integral in becoming your most authentic self.
0: Definitely. Yeah, that's a really powerful concept. And I feel like um, even despite those challenges, it is something really important to kind of adapt in your own life. And so in in your personal life, would you say while kind of writing this book, you Um, learned a little bit more about living authentically
1: so the best part about my book it was almost like my diary within those 10 months it was something that like I was not (laughs) that person like the the concepts I described like leadership mindfulness resilience all that stuff I wasn't really that person before I wrote my book it was something I kind of morphed into as (laughs) I was writing because again I use the stories of other people and i learned the best through storytelling And so when I would have a conversation with this yoga instructor about mindfulness, I was learning all these things from her and I was actually putting them into practice in my own life. So it was definitely an incredible, incredible, incredible growth journey. Like I transformed from the beginning to the end of that book. And I still continue to apply those concepts today. And there's also still so much that I'm learning. Like there's some things I'm like, damn, I wish I had put that in my book. Like I wish that I could have like wrote about that. Mm -hmm. But that's the beautiful thing about books is that like the author is always growing and evolving. And even like, you know, maybe 10 years down the line, I may disagree with a concept that I wrote about because I've changed and grown as a person. But I think that's what makes writing really, really powerful is that you, you're allowed to change your mind. You're allowed to refute what you previously said. You're allowed to grow and change with it. And that's why I'm excited to write another book because, you know, I may be contradicting something I say in my other book, but it's not because I'm telling myself that I was completely wrong at, at, by writing that in my previous book. At that point in time, that was what was really helping me. And that's what I wanted to share with somebody else that thing might not be helping me as much anymore. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to share the new things that are. That's kind of how I approach writing. Sometimes it can be a little bit like kind of annoying when you're an author, you're kind of sitting there like, oh, damn it, I wish I never talked about that. But recognizing that's who you were at that point Mm -hmm. in time, that's what was helping you is the most important concept.
0: Mm -hmm, Definitely. I think when you write, it's important to write things that are relevant to you at the time that you understand and that way it also makes you kind of a better writer in a sense and helps you to um, just like write about things that you personally connect with but yeah definitely love that and uh, I also wanted to talk a bit about your own podcast which is really interesting Um, and Could you tell us just a little bit about kind of what you cover on your podcast? How it
1: all started. So I got invited on to a podcast. I'd never been on on a podcast before um, back in May 2020. And I personally, I thought that I completely sucked at it. I was like, oh my God, that was horrific. Like I hate public speaking. Like public (laughs) speaking has been something that I'm very, very nervous of. Like even right now, I'm nervous. Like it's crazy, but that's just how it works. But after that podcast, I was like, okay, so you have two choices here. You can sit around and feel sorry for yourself. Or if you actually genuinely want to get better at speaking, if you want to promote your message in different ways, you have to practice. You have to try practicing it. And so I was like, you know what, screw it, I'm going to start a podcast, and you know, what? I could be completely terrible for like the first like 10 episodes, that's fine, it's going to get me to a place where I can actually kind of articulate my words into sentences. So that's kind of how it started. Um, I, I listened to my first episode the other day. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, like, I wish I literally never published that. But it got me to a place where <laughs> I could actually get on and have just genuine conversations with people so I was kind of like one aspect as to why mm-hmm. I started the podcast but the other most important aspect was um, I wanted to reach those people who don't like reading like there's a lot of people I think my audience like it's a 50-50 split in terms of like reading versus podcasts um, and I wanted to reach those people too because Everyone deserves to be authentic. Everyone deserves to have this knowledge in their toolkit. And so I was like, okay, I think I would love to start a podcast and help those people reach their most authentic selves. But then I also wanted to keep learning because Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I'm someone who likes learning through conversations. I have a really hard time, like, Googling or researching. Like, I really don't like doing any sort of research. I just like having conversations. And so with my my podcast, like the Mm -hmm. one component is um, sharing my message about like what I promoted in my book, but then I'm also inviting people on to share their authentic stories, to share their perspectives on concepts that relate to authentic living. And I've learned and grown so much just by having these Mm -hmm. people on. I think I've had around, probably around 30 people on, and it's been really, really incredible just being able to network with them and to have really deep and insightful conversations and so I'm always inviting guests to just like I have like like an application form it's on my Instagram uh for my podcast it's like at see me show pod um and I'm always asking people to apply to be guests like Mm -hmm. I don't care like how many followers you have or like if you what your current circumstances are like if you're interested in like having a platform to amplify Mm -hmm. your voice like my podcast is it. Like I just love having conversations with all kinds of people with different perspectives. So yeah, that's kind of like the reasons why I started Mm -hmm. it. Basically to get better at talking, to promote my message, and then to continue learning and growing because it has enabled so much of all that.
0: Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I also kind of agree with that. I think I, one reason I also started this podcast is not only to kind of give female leaders a voice but also just to kind of also practice my public speaking skills Um, but yeah that's really incredible and you're doing a lot um, right now and even in the past and you're working on this book and you're running this organization you're doing all these amazing things so how do you manage to balance
1: everything you're doing with being a student and running these organizations? I can definitely tell you my to-do list is kind of ridiculous um I so last summer I'd like to like explain this a little bit through my coaching journey so um in May 2020 I began getting life coached Mm -hmm. through this company called frame of mind coaching and that's a company that I aspire to be a coach for someday like it was the most transformational journey of my life and so I went into coaching thinking that you know they're going to help me get better at public speaking they're going to help me reach these specific goals I had in mind like they're going to help me be more productive like yada, yada, yada. But when I came into Mm -hmm. coaching, my incredible coach, Becca, would lead me down an incredibly different path. So I remember my first coaching call and it it had to do with like, what are you responsible for? Like they wanted to kind of know like, what was on your to do list? What was on your plate? And I remember writing down at the time, there was Mm -hmm. 20 things going Mm -hmm. on in my life that had really nothing to do with like, relationships or, um, Self care or anything like that. It was just like twenty like really big projects I was taking on at once. And so at first I thought she was going to like applaud me for being like, why wow, you're so involved! Like, great, good for you." Um, the first thing that she said to me, she's like, "Haley," I was like, "Yes." She's like, "I read your to do list." I'm like, "Yeah." What are your thoughts? And she says, "It seems like you're taking on a crap ton." And I was kind of taken aback by that because no one had ever really called me out on the fact that I do too much. It usually feels like I'm never doing enough. That's kind of like my mentality. Mm-hmm. And so what I've learned since then is that mm-hmm. I needed to change the frame on productivity. Productivity has been like something that I am a master at. Like people have told me like they've never met anyone as productive as me just because of how much I can get done in a day. Um, it's, it's a little bit ridiculous, but mm-hmm. I need to incorporate the more important things in life on my productivity list. I have thought productivity meant getting tasks done. Productivity encompasses self-care, maintaining connections with people, um, slowing it down, moving your body, all of those things. I didn't really think that those things constituted as productivity, but when in actuality, those things should be your number one priority Mm -hmm. um, because those things allow you to get the other things done the most effective way. So how I'm able to manage all of this Mm -hmm. stuff is – I watch a ridiculous amount of Netflix. Like I watch, like I'm 99% sure I watched eight (laughs) episodes of Breaking Bad yesterday. And I was still able to do like a chapter of my next book. I was able to meet with a team. I was able to have another meeting after that. I was able to go and like have wine night with my friend because it was Valentine's Day. I was doing all these things, but I still was watching like eight episodes. So at the same time, like you have a lot more time than you think. And what I've learned is that what was really affecting me was I was stretching out the duration of some of these projects. And I was also taking on too many at once. So what I would do is to become more efficient and effective. I would shorten the duration or I'd put other projects on hold. Really taking that inventory to see like, you know, do you really have to do that right now was definitely the first step. Um, But implementing more time for self-care and like all that stuff is the most essential parts. So, like if I were to say like seven hours of my day is dedicated to self-care while the other, I guess like six or five hours is dedicated to like getting that stuff done. So when you are approaching a project, like don't let it consume your life because again, we are young. Like a lot of the people, like a lot of the times I try to live for the future when in actuality, I should be living for the now, like I'm only 21, like I should be doing a lot more 21 year old things rather than some of these things that I think a lot of 40, 50 year olds do. So I don't want to regret it down the road. So I try to make as much time as I can for doing more 21 and 21 year old things rather than constantly filling up my plate. And like really being cognizant of that has been really helpful. But the things I, I always prioritize is moving my body Um, I work out at a gym called Orange Theory Fitness. I try to go five times a week because I know that my mentality relies on me moving my body. Um, I always try to have a phone call because of the pandemic with someone Mm -hmm. at least every single day. Um, I am living by myself, which has been hard. So that's something that I'm prioritizing. Um, And then yeah, watching TV, reading a book, a, a book that doesn't require like a lot of thinking, like like a romance book or like a memoir or something that's like very, very interesting is really helpful. Um, and yeah, I'm just taking time to just hang out with me. Like, mm-hmm. I like going for drives and walks just to kind of think and decompress. So implementing time for more of those kinds of things is really, really important if you want to achieve really big things.
0: Mm-hmm, definitely. Uh, what you said there was really relatable, I think, because for me, I feel like a lot of the time and a lot of high schoolers do this, too. Um, but when you are like so consumed with other projects and you feel like you have to get all these different things done and you're kind of doing, um, you feel this pressure to do all these different things. You don't really have, you feel like you don't really have the time to really care for your mental health and things like that. So it is definitely really important to consider these things when you're working on your projects and just take the time to kind of relax and tone it down. (laughs) So love what you said about that. Um, and again, like what I said before, you're doing a lot of amazing projects and you're doing a lot of these different pieces of work. And so what would you say is a project that you are most proud of
1: doing or running? Um, honestly, so right now (laughs) the one I'm having a little bit more fun with is my podcast because, you know, I can't see myself getting into like this becoming this really Mm -hmm. big Brene Brown kind of podcast. Like I really don't like for me, it's really just about like reaching out to that small audience that I do have right now. And that's the most fun one. But the one that I'm really passionate about is like currently I'm writing my second book, like I mentioned earlier. And so what my book is going to be about, it's Mm -hmm. about how you can still achieve what you want in life, even with anxiety. So anxiety is the most, most common cause of suffering Mm -hmm. in the whole world. Everyone experiences anxiety at some point in their life. In some ways or another, there's anxiety disorders and then there's just anxiety that's not nearly as frequent as someone with a disorder. But regardless, the anxiety experience itself is incredibly valid. And the fact is, anxiety can inhibit us from doing what we want. It can keep us in a place of feeling stuck. um, And it can be really, really hard to overcome the mentality that your anxiety voice is not telling you the truth of all the times your anxiety keeps you in a place of having to be perfect mm-hmm. it keeps you in a place of fear it keeps you in a place of wanting to please people and so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to create again another kind of like self-development book not just geared towards young adults because I think anxiety affects everyone virtually in some way or another but I am like interviewing people who are typically my age just because there's a relatability component but I'm trying to create a book where it's like I can explain what anxiety is, how it works, what it does. But then again, how you can cope with anxiety in your day-to-day life. And then the next part would be how you can still achieve really, really audacious goals with anxiety. Because a lot of times, too, people think they can get rid of their anxiety. They think it can go away permanently. But like Carl Jung said... What you resist persists. So if you try to get rid of your anxiety, the more it's going to show up in your life. And so what I'm trying to say is like, you can achieve what you want, even when anxiety does come along the way. And I experienced so much anxiety with my podcast, with being a co-president, with writing my first Mm -hmm. book. Like I was so afraid of what people were going to think of my writing style. I was so afraid that people were going to give me bad reviews. And, you know, even if those things did manifest, it really didn't really have anything to do with me. And I was still succeeding. So a lot of the times people too ask me, how would you write your first Mm -hmm. book? Like explain, explain, explain. And at first I thought it was just a simple mentality I had. But what I was overlooking was I had this mentality even when my anxiety was trying to get in my way. And so I really want to encourage people who experience anxiety And that's what I'm trying to emphasize is the anxiety experience because people without disorders, it's still equally as valid. It's valid for people who have disorders, people who have been undiagnosed and people who just happen to experience it every now and then. I really want to tackle, you know, the anxiety experience is real. It's raw. It's not the nicest feeling, but you can still conquer what you want in life, even when it's present. So I'm really happy with this, how this project's going because I I feel like this one's a lot more researched. Like my first book, it was researched, but not to the extent that this one's going to be because this it's a quite more serious topic and you have to be kind of like more careful in terms of how you word things and the kind of the advice that you put out there. So this one's very, very interesting. Um, it's more nerve wracking for sure because again, like I'm not a psychologist. I'm explaining this through my own perspective, but also through the perspectives of other psychologists, of therapists, of of psychiatrists, of people with anxiety, of people with anxiety disorders. So it's really cool to gain all those different perspectives and put it in a book. I am nervous for it again because what if people are like, oh, you're not a psychologist? But I'm like, well, I do have psychologists in it and they're backing up what I'm saying. So that's reassuring. But I had an initial timeline for August 2021, but I extended it to December 2021 because of the internship that I have this summer. I really want to make sure everything is fine-tuned for this book. And um, I'm about to reach 50,000 words for my manuscript. Mm -hmm. So that's something I'm really proud of. It's been a really, (laughs) it's really been a hard, hard uh, writing experience for sure because I had to switch topics. Initially, it was just about mindset. Now it's Mm -hmm. all about anxiety. So it was definitely a, a challenging shift. But it was, it has been a really, really, really fun and enjoyable and educational thing to write.
0: Mm-hmm, definitely. I love that you have, I think it's really important to have like different perspectives. Um, and so I think that's something really unique about your Thank book. You. And yeah, it sounds really exciting. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, so you've done so many amazing things, and you're just really killing it out there. Um, and so to kind of close out, how would you give or would you give any advice for those who kind of want to start living authentically
1: first off I would I would highly recommend doing the first two things I talked about was the self awareness and like uh, putting down the backpack and embracing your whole self but a lot of times what happens with anxiety or not anxiety Mm -hmm. authenticity is we're afraid of judgment judgment is a really really big thing is that we perceive a lot of judgment that mm-hmm. one isn't going to happen but there is judgment people judge all the time judgment is a normal thing like we're always constantly judging but what we're really afraid of is the negative judgment like what are people going to think of me if I deviate from the norm what are people going to think of me if I'm unconventional what are people going to think of me if I become my most authentic weird mm-hmm. self and that's that's something that's really, really hard <laughs> to get over. Like, I'm still afraid of judgment, like, all the time. Mm-hmm. Social media is something that is definitely filled with lots of toxicity and judgment. But when what I have learned about judgment is that judgment is simply perspective, judgment is someone else's perspective of you. So, I'm going to emphasize someone else's because that judgment has really nothing to do with you. And everything to do with that person. So when somebody is judging you in a negative light, mm-hmm. that is a reflection of how they feel about themselves. So a lot of the time judgment, negative judgment comes from a place of pain or envy or whatever it may be. And it really has nothing to do with you and everything to do with how that person views themselves. So when you can when you can associate the judgment with somebody else rather than how, how you actually show up in this world, that's, like, a big, big weight lifted off your shoulders. Like, people judge me all the time. I do really weird things that, like, even with social media, like, I'm, like, doing more bloggy kind of things, more authentic kind of things, more storytelling, whereas most of my followers don't do that. So it's a little bit nerve-wracking putting myself out there like that. But if they were to judge me or unfollow me, again, it has nothing to do with me. And I'm just going to keep doing it anyways. And you'll also be surprised is the fact like, you know, for example, say for every follower I lose, I gain five because people like authenticity. People gravitate towards Mm -hmm. authenticity. They gravitate towards true stories. I think people... At this point, especially with the pandemic, I think a lot of people are fed up with superficiality. I think a lot of people really want to see more transparency, more authenticity, Mm -hmm. more action, more advocacy. And so now is like the perfect time to go out and be your authentic self because more people are going to embrace who you are than judge you. And if they do, do judge you, it really has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them. So that's kind of the advice I would kind of, give because again, judgment is definitely the most scary thing in the whole world, especially as a young person, but you can't control it. So you may as well just kind of accept it and move on.
0: Definitely. Yeah. That's some amazing advice. And I think that especially applies to all those young people out there. So yeah, really appreciate all your words. And um, I feel like, yeah, a lot of the time it is kind of tough to um, avoid or kind of ignore that judgment that you get but still it's just really important if you want to um, still pursue what you want to do and just don't let it bother you you. so yeah I love that advice Um, but thank you yeah thank you so much for coming on today Um, it was honestly a pleasure having you on and talking with you today are there any
1: platforms you'd like to shout out before we go Um, the first platform you can connect with me on is Instagram so at Haley Mm -hmm. H-A-I-L-E-Y r o d d d g e r s that's my main platform um, definitely dm me if you ever want to have a conversation again i love mm-hmm. conversations but another platform you can look at is my podcast platform so it's at see me show pod P O um, i'm always looking for guests i do have like a bunch of booked up for february but i always want people to feel comfortable hopping on and just having a conversation with me so if you're ever interested in being a guest I definitely invite you to kind of fill out the form in the bio of my podcast platform um other than that I am on Facebook I have a little Facebook page it's Haley Rogers author um and I do have a website HaleyRogers.com and yeah I'd love to connect with all of you well yeah thank you so much for coming on today